Life is coming at us fast, perhaps faster than ever. And yet, empathy, as well as deep thought, depend upon nervous system processes that are inherently slow. Living as thoughtful, empathetic people is connected to us slowing down, which is probably something we don't think that our high-speed lives have time for. The past weeks and months and now years have been full of generation-altering change. So much of our news is bad. I found it hard to keep up with everything happening with the Supreme Court, the January 6th Commission, the war in the Ukraine, the epidemic of mass shootings. That's not to mention the ups and downs of everyday life. A friend of mine recently shared that he is starting to feel numb to the news and that he is struggling to feel present. Distraction is the only thing that consoles us from our miseries, wrote the French philosopher Blaise Pascal. Though distraction itself is the greatest of our miseries. Pascal believed that all of our problems stem from our inability to sit quietly in a room alone. One of our greatest learnings in life is how to be fully present to this moment that's right in front of us. This morning's gospel is a well-known story about Jesus visiting with two sisters, Mary and Martha. Luke describes Mary as being zeroed in upon Jesus while Martha runs around trying to be a good host. A temptation when unpacking this story is to argue which is the better response. My belief is that neither is necessarily better or worse, but that we tend to identify with whichever of these roles we've most recently assumed ourselves. Some days I am Mary, other days I'm Martha, many days I'm a bit of both. Coming upon the heels of the parable of the Good Samaritan, which exemplifies loving neighbor as self, the Jesus Seminar suggests that this morning's gospel illustrates the other part of the great commandment, loving God with heart, soul, and mind which I find to be an interesting suggestion. But what stands out to me the most is a piece of wisdom that Jesus understood that I believe all great wisdom teachers have understood, which is that one of our greatest learnings in life is how to be fully present to the moment in front of us. The present moment teaches us what we need to be taught. The present moment shows us what we need to see. The present moment helps us hear what it is that we need to listen to. This is so simple that it's actually really hard. Learning to be present is the work of our lifetime. 
And no matter what's going on in the world or in our lives, we can, in fact, wake up to the moment in front of us. It's possible. But we have to engage in the work of slowly, intentionally, and quietly centering our souls. I was recently introduced to the work of Gordon Hempton, an acoustic ecologist who defines silence not as an absence of sound, but an absence of noise. He believes that quiet is an endangered species that's on the verge of extinction that we must work to preserve. There was a time that we humans didn't value clean water or clean air, though we now understand that clean water and air are vital for our health. Hempton argues the same about quiet, that quiet is not a luxury, but is crucial to our quality of life and our ability to think straight. A quiet place, he says, is the think tank of the soul. You know, our ears are always at work. That's why alarm clocks wake us up. Our bodies might be asleep, but our ears are awake. This particular moment that we are living is noisy and becoming increasingly louder. We are so saturated with noise. <laughs> so accustomed to the volume being turned up way too loud that we've become numb to it. When we do encounter moments that provide nothing to distract us, we seek to fill them, not only because we don't know what to do with them, but also because the quiet can be jarring and intimidating. And yet quiet also provides one of the richest paths available for us to meet God, to meet our true selves, to meet one another. Scripture is full of examples of God speaking through a still and small voice, only audible when we quiet down enough to pay attention. In our Gospels, Jesus emphasizes quiet prayer in one's own inner room, and he warns us against, quote, babbling on, as the pagans do. Meister Eckert said, there's nothing in this world that resembles God so much as silence. Of course, the quiet is where we do some of our best self-exploration. It's where we meet our true selves. The quiet is our own personal monastery, that place of radical honesty within us that brings us face to face with our fears, while helping us listen for our better angels and wrestle with our demons. Silence is a great friend of the soul, wrote the Catholic priest John O'Donohue. The quiet is also where we meet and connect with one another. This sounds counterintuitive, but when we quiet ourselves down enough, to really listen to one another and not plan how we're going to respond or argue back, we are able to hear one another's tone, what we are saying beyond the words that we're using. 
Quiet facilitates our intimacy and vulnerability. Speaking from a place of quiet leads to words that are more well-chosen and less judgmental and gives birth to actions that have greater integrity and impact. We're able to calm one another and trust one another. It is the quiet that humbly reminds us of what we know and what we don't know. One of our greatest learnings in life is how to be fully present to the moment right in front of us. As we try to live as thoughtful, empathetic people in this particular moment, when so much is changing and the news is bad and we're inundated with noise and the volume is turned up way too high, let's do our best to slow down remembering that quiet is the think tank of our souls and one of the richest paths available for us to meet God, to meet our true selves, and to meet one another. In the name of God.